Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We're actually doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're recording this podcast in the comforts of my home office because if some of you might have seen on social media, or maybe you've heard, high winds caused a large tree to not only fall down on top of a bus, but on top of power lines outside of our building during service. So as a result, we literally did church in the dark. And can I just say, shout out to all my people that stuck around, that wanted to hear the message, even without a microphone, without sound. They broke their phones out and put their flashlights out. And uh, we had a lit service. And we even took communion in the dark together. And it's actually a beautiful time. But one thing that was really important, we know that many of you have been tuning in and you're not from Inspire Church, but you've been walking alongside of us through the book of Romans. And so we wanted to make sure we bring to you the latest installment so that you wouldn't miss that. And so before we actually get into the word, um, can we just take a moment to pray? And again, if you're outside of California, you might have seen or heard that we're actually going through, especially in the Bay Area, um, there's some fires taking place, a lot of fire hazards uh, up in Northern California and a lot of high winds and things that are taking place. And so can we just take a moment to pray for those that are being affected by this and also pray uh, for this message. So Heavenly Father, we know that you are Lord over the weather. And so we pray that you would even shift the winds. We pray that you would cover those who are in need, those who are experiencing any loss, the loss of their homes, even a loss of life, Lord. Um, we're praying that somehow you would get the glory in this. We pray that you would protect those that are in danger. We pray, Lord, that even those brave men and women that are answering the call to go fight the fires and provide emergency relief, uh, we're praying for their covering and protection as well. And even though uh, this may be tragic, we know that even in tragedy, uh, you're still working things out for your good. And so we just pray uh, that your will would be done. We also pray for all the listeners and all those who are tuning into this message. I pray that your word wouldn't come back void, but it would accomplish everything that it's been set out to do for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now this recording, this message is gonna be a little bit shorter, um, but we are coming out of Romans chapter three, verses nine through 20. Now, in most criminal cases, you'll find a judge and a jury, a prosecuting attorney, a defense lawyer, a key witness, and a defendant. And I think this courtroom analogy is really helpful for us to understand what Paul has been trying to tell us in the first three chapters of the book of Romans. First, God is a perfect and impartial judge who does not play favorites or take bribes. And secondly, you and I, along with all of mankind, we are the defendants who will one day appear before that judge. Thirdly, the perfect flawless law of God is the prosecution's star witness against us. And finally, number four, Paul himself has taken on the role of the prosecuting attorney proving that we are all guilty. Now, I really got some good news. 
after today, I promise it's going to get better. You see, if you've been tuning in with us, you know that the first three chapters of the book of Romans has been all about how sinful humanity is and how much we deserve God's wrath. But Paul's getting ready to turn a corner here. And actually next week, he's going to start talking about even though we deserve God's wrath, Jesus has made away. So the good news is coming. But one of the things we've been saying is that in order to embrace the good news or the gospel of God, we first have to embrace the bad news of our sinfulness. And so for today, Paul is going to make what I'm calling his closing arguments. He's going to rest his case against humanity in verses 9 through 20. And so if you're reading along, Romans chapter 3, verse 9 through 20 reads like this. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jew and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, nobody is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now, Paul's closing argument is literally a reiteration of three of his most prolific points in the first three chapters. You see, mankind's sin is so extensive, so pervasive, and so painfully obvious that nobody will be able to stand before God on that day and question his judgment against us. And so again, if you're taking notes, those three prolific points are this. Mankind's sin is extensive. Mankind's sin is pervasive. And finally, mankind's sin is painfully obvious. So let's talk about this first one. Mankind's sin is extensive or sin is extensive. You see, Paul is clear. He says, all are under sin. Nobody is righteous. All have turned aside. The word extensive means broad. It means wide or it means far reaching. You see, sin is not racist. Sin is not prejudiced. Sin is not limited to education or to class. The whole world and everyone in it, Jew or Greek, religious or irreligious, wise or simple, rich or poor, the whole world is under the power of evil. Now, I really want you to listen to this. Because that is true, nobody has the right to walk in any kind of moral or religious superiority. You see, sin is the great equalizer of all mankind. We will all have to stand before one God one day, equally guilty and equally deserving of wrath. So sin is extensive. Secondly, Paul tells us sin is not only extensive, but it's also pervasive. What do we mean by that? This means that sin has not only affected everyone, but it has also affected 
everything in everyone. Now, Paul breaks down this pervasiveness in three ways. The first way is this. Sin has affected the mind. Paul says, no one understands. In other words, no one comprehends, no one grasps with their mind. You see, humanity left alone will always intellectually reject the gospel as foolishness. Listen to what some of our culture's influencers have said. Bill Meyer, host of the HBO talk show, Real Time, has says this, the Christian faith is the purposeful suspension of critical thinking. How about Joe Rogan, host of the Joe Rogan Experience? He says this, if you believe preposterous notions, like there was a guy who came back to life, turned water into wine and walked on water, if you believe that, you're not intelligent. And finally, Richard Dawkins, popular atheist, author, evolutionary biologist, he said this about Christianity. He said, atonement, the central doctrine of Christianity is vicious, sadomasochistic, and repellent. We should all dismiss it as barking mad. Again, left to our own devices, humanity will always look at the Christian faith. Humanity will look at the gospel. Unless the Holy Spirit can awaken us to its beauty, we will always look at it as unintelligent. We will always look at it as something to be dismissed. But look at Paul and look at how he talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God Secondly, sin has not only affected our mind, but Paul says it's also affected our will. Listen, listen to what Paul says. He says, no one understands, and he says, no one seeks. Again, left to ourselves, we want nothing to do with God. We don't love him. We don't pursue him. We don't value his words. We'd much rather give our time and affections to other things and to other people instead of God. Now, as I was thinking through this and preparing for this message, I was beginning to think of how over time, I've noticed that my taste buds have changed. Now, I'm not a big fan of onions. I've never been a big fan of onions. In fact, I was the guy Everywhere we went, I would always ask for no onions. Uh, whether we were at a restaurant or a fast food joint, no matter where we went, I would always ask them to hold the onions. But over the years, I found that my taste buds actually began to train, transform. And there are certain things throughout my life that I didn't like that all of a sudden now I like. For instance, I love sushi. But when I first started to eat sushi, I wanted nothing to do with it. Secondly, I could also remember when I first, my first taste of clams, uh, my first taste of oysters, actually, uh, I really didn't like it. And there might be some of you listening in today thinking to yourself, man, I do not like oysters. Yeah, I didn't like the taste of oyster. It was slimy. It was just the texture, everything about it wanted nothing to do with it. But as I got older and I saw other people barbecue it and I said, man, that looks really good. I, I'm going to keep trying. And all of a sudden now I am a huge oyster fan. And the same thing goes for onions. I actually can enjoy some onions, grilled onions, sauteed onions. And again, a long time ago, I hated onions. The whole point of this is that just like my taste buds can transform, I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does to some of us. You see, before we met Jesus, 
We wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, we did not want to pursue him. Uh, we certainly didn't want to pursue the scriptures. Uh, we want to do whatever we wanted to do, whatever we had a taste for. But when the Holy Spirit, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit began to re regenerate our hearts. And in that regeneration process, we literally began to have a transforming of our taste. And all of a sudden, what we once despised, what we once wanted nothing to do with, what we once did not chase, all of a sudden became a priority in our lives. And so you see, Paul tells us sin has not only affected the mind, but it also has affected the will. And finally, sin has affected our behaviors. Notice, Paul says, no one understands, no one seeks. And his final comment in that section is, no one does good. Now, when you hear the word sin, or at least when I hear the word sin, a lot of times... I automatically can assume that we're talking about bad behaviors, bad things. But Paul continues over and over to reveal to us that before sin ever becomes a behavior problem, it first becomes a problem of the mind and it becomes a problem of the heart, a problem of the will. So Paul here is reinforcing what he has already taught us in chapter one, what starts in the head continues to the heart, and will ultimately impact the hands. In other words, what you believe is what you will worship, and what you worship is what you will do and pursue. Mind, will, and finally, behavior. And I want to kind of bring this to a landing. Sin is extensive and pervasive, but finally, sin is also painfully obvious. Now, as much as we'd like to deny the fact that our minds and our hearts are evil, our actions prove Paul's point. You see, what is hidden is eventually revealed. What we do reflects what we worship and believe. Humanity's internal rebellion against God is made painfully obvious by our constant outward demonstrations of evil. So in verses 13 through 18, Paul submits to the court the final and most damning evidence against us. What we say with our mouths condemn us, where we go with our feet condemns us, and what we look at with our eyes condemns us. Now, listen to how Paul describes our mouths. He compares our throats to open graves, not because we have bad breath, but because our words can be foul, like the stench of rotting flesh. He refers to our tongues as tools for our lies, tools for our deception. He refers to our lips, and he makes our lips equivalent to venomous snakes. Now, Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. James calls the tongue untamable and set on fire by hell. Jesus said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you want to know what's really in the heart of man, listen to what they say. And not only listen to what they say, but listen to what they say about each other. You see, our words condemn us. Next, Paul says, don't just listen to what they say, but, but look at what they do. Look at where their feet takes them. You see, we love drama. And we can't help but run towards drama. 
In many ways, uh, we're entertained by drama. Uh, this is why we watch TV, uh, and I hate to admit it, but we love it. I love it. Uh, all we have to do is look at our queue and Netflix, and we realize that it's all about drama. Now, on Sunday, I had a chance to kind of call out the women and say, man, some of the shows that you watch is just so full of drama. Uh, whether you love soap operas or if you are Latino, you know about the novellas. It's always caked in with so much drama. But the men are not off the hook neither because I love sports. I'm a football fanatic. I'm a basketball fanatic. And I realized that one of the things that I'm most intrigued about, I'm following ESPN. Uh, I'm on Twitter. And I'm not just watching the games, but now guys are getting traded. Guys are upset with their teams. Guys are in contract disputes and things are being reported and they're talking about each other behind their backs. And we're eating it up on social media. And I realize, oh, wait a minute. We have our soap opera too, and that can be sports. But we love drama. My whole point is, is that as, as humans, we're attracted to that. And Paul says that our feet are swift to run to it. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's, that's, uh, that might be a little drastic. But, but here's another thing that I, I want you to listen to. Statistically, at least 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century. It was the bloodiest century in human history. And of the past 3,400 years, humans have been entirely at peace, they say, for only 268 of them, or just 8% of recorded history. We've seen no war. Now, nothing illustrates our love for drama and our feet running swiftly to bloodshed like a high school fight. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Do you remember when you were a kid and maybe two individuals got into a verbal fight and all of a sudden that verbal fight had turned physical and maybe it was lunchtime and there were too many people around. So what ends up happening, they come together and, and, and rumors go around the school and all of a sudden now after school, I want you to meet me behind the baseball diamond. And, and all of a sudden school finishes and and everybody's running out to the baseball diving because word has got out. Everybody knows that there's going to be this fight. And the kids kind of run to this fight. And, and now we're kind of pulling out our video and, and we're posting it on. Some of you out there, if you're being honest, you've probably come across it. You've probably been entertained by fights that have been video recorded on YouTube or World Star. Somebody gets knocked out. Um, but really, I do believe that's a commentary of the evil inside of humanity's heart. And I think it only only proves Paul's point against us that we run swiftly towards bloodshed. Finally, Paul tells us um, it's not just what we say with our mouths that condemns us. It's not just where we go with our feet, but it's what we see with our eyes. He says, there is no fear of God before our eyes. Now, there are so many things we can say about that statement. There was no fear of God before their eyes. But I think it's fitting to kind of finish this section on the sinfulness of man by saying this. Any society that assumes that God excuses sin, overlooks sin, or simply does not judge sin and discipline sin in this life or the next will have no fear of God and will continue to fall deeper and deeper into their depravity, deeper and deeper into their evil. Now, I want to kind of include conclude this time together 
um, by saying this. You might have come into this series thinking, how could a good God send people to hell? But after reading and considering chapters one through three, I think the real question is this, how could he not? Listen, the real marvel is not that God judges evil, but it's the fact that he's made a way to forgive it. Think about that. The real marvel, the real awesomeness of God, the real beauty and wonder about God is not the fact that he judges evil, but it's actually the fact that he would even forgive it. It's his grace. You see, when we understand the depths of our sin, we see the heights of his love. When we see our depravity, we'll see our need. And we know that we need something else, someone else. And as Christians, we marvel. As Christians, we marvel not that God judges evil, but that in Christ, we can be made righteous. With that in mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this short time together. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the book of Romans. And I thank you for the Apostle Paul that he's taken out time to show us how much we need Jesus. Because if we didn't know how much we needed Jesus, if we didn't understand how deep this trail of sin went, that we wouldn't understand our great need for Christ. And so we thank you for the bad news because we know that in the end, it is setting us up to appreciate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray a blessing on all those who are listening and I pray that you would be with us so that we would be on mission for your glory everywhere we go for the rest of this week. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We love you and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.